right, welcome back to the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. Today is Friday, July 16th, and this is episode 109 of the Pineapple Couch with B-Rob. I am joined by Peter Gonzalez, as usual, and we are going to be going through the finale. Yes, the finale of Loki season one on Disney+. Plus. So spoiler warning if you haven't gotten into that or if you haven't finished the show yet, because we're going to go deep into it right now. I will start stop rambling after I tell you to subscribe to us on iTunes, follow us on Spotify, do five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever. All right, I'm done. This is the Pineapple Couch. Peter, how you doing? I'm doing great. I think I, every time the intro, I like the intro more and more. Just I, It's such a – you never know what you're going to get. So. It's Yeah, I don't even know where I'm going. It's like that line from The Office of how Michael says he starts a sentence and doesn't really know how he's going to end it. That's like every single intro. And you'd think after 109 of these, I'd have some sort of formula, but no, nothing. But it keeps it authentic. That's what, make, yeah, that's what makes the pineapple couch the pineapple couch. Let's get into this episode of Loki Peter, um, the finale for all time always. Um, and this, my friends, was a doozy. And I just want to start it off the top. I've given the spoiler warning. We were right. It was Kang. We stayed till the end of the line, Peter. You, you stood by me, and it was Kang. All the Easter eggs we saw, all the nerdy comic book rants we went on, we were right. It was Kang. All the tea leaves that we read, we read them correctly. We get Jonathan Majors as Kang. Before we go just into this episode as a whole, holy crap, when he appeared, I lost my mind, and I'm so excited to see what he does in the future of the MCU, and I'm Freaking glad they made these Disney Plus shows matter by giving us a big bad like Kang. What's your You quick know, little... I think that 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 right there, these shows matter. I think that's the perfect way to sum this up because it's been te- it's been like they're kind of essential viewing, but you never really were feeling like it was. Like WandaVision, yes, you want to understand Doctor Strange too. It's like, okay, you need to watch it. Falcon and the Winter Soldier help create, you know a whole new storyline for Captain America and what that's going to look like. But this, this was the moment. It was like, for so long, people have been theorizing, is Wanda going to break the multiverse? Is Peter going to break it in No Way Home? Like, what's going to happen? And Marvel just decided to do it right here on Disney Plus in a way that felt right. It didn't feel like we're rushing to throw this ending in and here's the villain that, and this ending, it was like, no, it paid off all five episodes leading up to this in a spectacular fashion. Yeah, and um, I think you made a good point. Like, Because with WandaVision, yes, you might kind of want to watch it before Doctor Strange just because it's good, but you can summarize WandaVision with Wanda went bad. Yeah. In terms she, of the effects on the MCU. Yes, she's looking for her children, but I guarantee you she says that in Doctor Strange too. And so you get that right away. That's the only thing you really need to take from WandaVision is that she kind of went crazy and she has these powers but we knew that falcon and the winter soldier the only thing you really need to take from that yes there's three things one is that sam wilson is going to be captain america two would be zemo is back in the mcu and three would be sharon carter i would throw in four um val val making her creation which if it has l- larger implications if you've seen other Marvel projects that is for another podcast. Yeah. 
And so while I, we just listed off those, what Loki does, breaking the multiverse, affects everything in the MCU, not just little things like this other stuff. So I really think that this is, you got to watch Loki to get what's going on. And I'm glad they made it this way. And I'm glad we've learned that Tom Hiddleston will be in Doctor Strange, the multiverse of madness. So let's get into episode six now, Peter. We get the Marvel logo playing, and we hear the sounds of past MCU films. A lot of nostalgia here. We even get it at a point, baby Loki crying from Thor 1. We hear that. We hear Steve. We hear Tony. We hear all that good stuff. And then we start to see the strands of the universe. We kind of zoom out in this trippy visual, and we see it surrounding this castle at the end of time that was teased at the end of last episode when the two Lokis, Sylvie and Loki, enchanted Goliath to get through now the two start to approach the castle and they get there and sylvie needs a moment before going in because she's been waiting for this moment her whole life her whole life has been this journey to get to right to this spot and then the castle opens up on its own before sylvie can kick in the door and the two enter peter just off the top what did you think of the kind of the the environment the the mood the theme of this castle like, I, I really enjoyed it. Well, what was your takeaway from this really? I mean, it's just a quick part of the show, but what did you think? It gave set, me. Set the stage. Um, it gave me. So, it, well, it did have that kind of Wizard of Oz type, you know, you're, you're getting to the Emerald City type of thing. It also oh, yeah. kind of reminded me of this is another nerd alert, but Mordor. Like, I had that vibe of, like, you know, yeah. you're going into this darkness, but at the same time, there's this possibility. It's like, what's going to happen? In a way that's newer to the MCU than we've seen before, which is what I constantly appreciate, that we're not just doing the same beats over and over. We're constantly evolving what's going to happen in the storytelling and these locations. We're not going to repeat the same ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just adding to the mystery and the cosmicness of the MCU and just making the stage so much bigger, so I like that. Um, the two are walking in, and holy crap, Miss Minute surprises them and scares the crap out of them. I mean, to be honest, it scared the crap out of me at like twelve fifteen. It was, I was so jarring because it was just there, and it was so bright. So she then congratulates them on reaching the citadel at the end of time, and she says, "He who remains is impressed." So he who remains is the person that they are looking for in here. Um, she says that he who remains created it all. He controls all, and at the end, there is only he who remains. And then, Peter, she also says that she wants to offer them a deal to insert them both back into the timeline in a way that won't disrupt things. So the TVA can continue its vital work, and they can do what they always wanted. So, for example, Peter, this includes Loki defeating the Avengers in the Battle of New York, killing Thanos, wielding the Infinity Gauntlet, and taking the throne of Asgard. And for Sylvie, a little more vague... It's just basically she could wake up to a lifetime full of happy memories. What did you think of those offers? I think it was a great way of testing how far the characters have come. Like, it really presented these tangible options that you would think episode, first episode, when you meet either of them, it would have been a snapped up, we will take these deals, like, let's do it. Where, where again, it fits the predetermined destined idea that was presented to Loki at both Loki's I guess that you know you have this is where you're going you can't mm-hmm. change your path 
And so I think it really conflicted them in a sense. This whole episode was about dealing with conflict of choice. Like, you know, which way are you going to go with something and making the right choice? And I think it shows the growth of the characters in a very organic way. Mm -hmm. And um, so after this happens, Peter, Loki confirms with Miss Minutes that she's proposing that both of them could live on the sacred timeline. She could says that he could make it work, he who remains, and they could have it all together. And so Sylvie says, like, this is fiction. And Loki says they write their own destiny now. And Miss Minutes responds, sure, sure you do. Good luck with that. And disappears. Sylvie and Loki carry on. I think that this was like a fake offer. Don't you? Or do you think this is real? I think it was real. I think it was a real last-ditch effort before we go into the next one. Let's kind of let's see if it's worth it. Let's see if it'll happen. Let's kind of situation. I don't think it would have... I think if it would have served Kang's purpose, it was a real offer. See, I think it kind of would have been like they just screwed them over, but... I, I think that I see your point, too. I don't think it's, like, definitive in any way. Um, let's go back to the TVA, though, now, Peter, with Ravona Renslayer, where she's waiting on the files of the origin of the TVA that she asked Miss Minutes for at the end of last week's episode. Miss um, Minutes shows back up, and she has files, but it's not really what uh, Ravona was asking for. It's a message from he who remains, and then Miss Minutes disappears. So this, spoiler alert, he who remains is a version of Kang. That's what we're going with. It's it's a little, like, He Who Remains isn't necessarily Kang in the comics, but it's a mix of He Who Remains in Immortus, which is a version of Kang. So the reason I'm bringing this up is because this is important, Peter, because this is the first, quote-unquote, contact between a version of Kang and Ravona Renslayer. And in the comics... There is a, a love at the beginning, not so great relationship, but they do end up like loving each other across time. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because we, this is how we knew Kang was coming. And so reading into the tea leaves of what how important Ravana meeting or talking to a Kang is, is that's huge for the future of not only this show, but I also think the MCU. Don't you think? No, totally. And They're I a badass duo. And I think, like you said, it kind of it, it builds on what we've been having set in each episode. It really allows for that moment to feel earned. Like it's like this is episode's finale of this season, but this is going to lead elsewhere. So it's been with purpose. This wasn't a Ralph situation. This wasn't a Carly fake out only for a season. This is like we're going somewhere with this. Mm -hmm. And um, let's go now back to the castle. And Loki and Sylvie enter a room filled with statues, other weird stuff. And here it is, folks. Big moment. A door opens and Jonathan Majors, as Kang, is sitting there and he is stoked to see them. And so there's, he is presented as he who remains. But throughout the course of this episode, you see that it is Kang. There's hints to it. And then, folks, like I, it's not even an argument if you think this isn't a version of Kang because Jonathan Majors is confirmed to be Kang by Kevin Feige. Like, they literally had him on stage once for the next Ant-Man. So this is a version of Kang. So I just really want to establish that, because I was fucking right. <laughs> and um, so he's stoked to see the two variants of Loki, and he invites them to his office after making fun of Miss Minutes for still calling him He Who Remains. Um, very quirky personality, don't you think? Like, oh, what yeah, do you like, think from this? 
first react uh, interaction with Kang. Just seems kind of like unhinged and very different than the traditional villains we've been we've seen oh, yeah. in the MCU. He's not he's not like Thanos's stoic version of a villain. He's his own offbeat because well totally fits the vibe going forward. Well, do you think? I mean, I from this episode, he does say like going down the line, we get that there's like worse variants of him that are worse. I still like. I think yes, this version of Kang is a little like wonky and does some weird stuff. I'm not like. I still think this is a bad dude. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, I just want to establish that. Like he's like disarmingly. Yeah. He's disarming towards them, but he's... Yeah, with his attitude, it kind of, like, he plays it down. But you got, like, this dude, yes, he may not be the worst version of Kang, but honestly, there's some really fucked up versions of Kang, so that's not saying much. Um, But this is still, he's still in the wrong, I I think, this version of Kang. Um, Well, yeah, he's pulling all these strings the whole time, too, so there's no way that that would be a good person that would be doing that kind of stuff. Pruning innocent timelines and that shit, so good point. Um, they take an elevator down, and in the elevator, Sylvie tries to stab him, and he easily escapes with his use of a 10-pad and laughs at him. He's just, like, five steps ahead. We'll get into why, but he's, like, 10, 20. He's so many steps ahead. Um, they enter his office, and he invites them to sit down, and the two Lokis are incredibly skeptical. And I like that because I, I sure as hell was. I was incredibly skeptical at this version of Kang and how he was playing it, and I liked obviously a loki isn't going to trust and i like how they made a key point of that um we're going back to tva now peter and mobius surprises renslayer in her office she asks if he is going to prune him and he guilts her for what she did to him previously and she can't accept though peter that what they're doing is a lie and mobius lets her know that he and b15 told basically all the rest of the TVA, that they are variants. And how they did this was by showing them a variant of Ravana Renslayer to prove the point when she was like, was it, it was a principal or a substitute teacher? Yeah, it was like, yeah. And I think the main takeaway was the pen. The pen from episodes yeah. ago came into fruition now. So I think it, it reinstates the audience's faith in the Easter eggs, I think. Like, if Good you point. notice something, it will pay off at some point. And with this, it just paid off sooner than some of the other shows are that we've seen that you know it takes a little bit longer but this was like here you go this is what it's connected to and so Renslayer what's all messed up in her mind is she like has to believe that the creators of the TVA had a reason she needs this you know what she needs this glorious purpose she that's what Ravana wanted and so Mobius counters her by saying that he saw what happens when people get pruned, and there's no reason for that. And he offers to help her rebuild the TVA the right way together. And then she tells Mobius he betrayed her for Loki's. He tries to prune her. She defeats him pretty easily. But instead of pruning, pruning him, she leaves through a portal in search of free will. And, I mean, pretty obvious there. I think she's going to try and meet Kang. She is. She got the le- the the um the message from He Who Remains, and I would assume that's where she's going. Don't you think? No, totally. Because if you were like earlier in the episode, Miss Minutes said, "Here, it's not. It's not what you wanted from me. It's what he wants you to have. It's like this is what you're supposed to have." So again, it goes back to how they will work together 
going forward in a sense, especially when you get to the end of the episode. So I think it was a really interesting way to continue those connections while also saying again, this, she was going to go search for free will, which has been what the whole show has been about to this point. You know, what is free will? What's mm-hmm. predestined? How do you wrestle with the two? Yeah, and I think they've done a good job of having that theme be present in really every arc of this story. So now we're back with Kang, he who remains. Um, he com- compliments Sylvie's journey and then insults our Loki by comparing him to a flea on the back of a dragon. You know what? I'm just getting sick and tired of this fucking disrespect to my guy Loki. He can't catch a break. He, he Okay, but I would just like to say it, in this show, how was Sylvie more important to them getting there than Loki? Yes, the enchantment thing that she could do, but she couldn't do it without Loki and then classic Loki helping. So, like, I maybe this is just him poking fun at Loki and I'm, like, sensitive about it. So I'm like, hey, F you. I don't think that Loki, our Loki got carried to this point at all. I Yeah, I, yeah, I mean... He definitely needed Sylvie to get there. Like that, his but, he like he had to like go after Sylvie to get to this point. Like he had to to sort of mm-hmm. start the ball rolling, trying to figure out what he was trying to do. In a sense, but Sylvie's been doing this her whole life, and she and hadn't it took, been successful. And it took this Loki. So I think I'm probably looking way too much into that, but I just wanted to make that point. Um, and so continuing on, Kang is not surprised that they found him because he has been watching the whole time and knew it was going to happen. They can't kill him because he already knows what is going to happen. He says that's why he knows to program the Tempad to get away from all their attacks. He knows it all, and he has seen it all. He has watched their entire journey during this show. He brings up the romantic moment by the lake at Lamentus 1. Um, and so he's just kind of like rubbing it in his face of like, yeah, everything you're doing, I know this isn't like impressive that you made it here. Um, and then Sylvie says, whoa, 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 we broke out of your game. But Kang goes like, you're wrong. I paved the way and you simply walked down it. He also tells them that he has everything written down that is going to happen and that there's only one way this can go. So this idea again of what is like predestined, what can you control is brought to the forefront. What did you think of that, Peter? What I thought of when he was like, there's only one way this can go. I mean, it goes back to Infinity War when Doctor Strange travels to figure out all the different solutions that could potentially happen in order for the Avengers to win. And it, it kind of negates the two. The two don't, they can't exist together. So that to mm-hmm. me was like a red flag. I was like, something about this isn't right. His whole speech about knowing everything that's going to happen was again, a red flag because... Yep. You throughout the MCU, you always had that thing where the big bad wants to be this god figure. This basically creates everything and ha- controls everything. And I feel like continually, it's like a fake out because you're not going to ever achieve that. And that kind of tells you this villain isn't as as what he says isn't full of. It's kind of full of it, basically. Yeah, yeah, he's overemphasizing. He does have a ridiculous amount of control. But he is overemphasizing, I think, his reach. Um, And so he also begins to poke holes in their relationship by, like, asking if they can trust each other. And then he explains everything that is going on here. So let's go through it. He tells them that without him, the TVA and everything burnt. He is afraid of many different variants of himself. 
and that he and the TVA are the ones holding them back from destroying everything. He says, for some of us, new universes just mean new worlds to conquer. That's speaking of his variants. He then explains how he got rid of and is holding back all these variants. So he says he used Eliath to destroy all the other universes to prevent the other versions of himself from going to war and destroying everything. And he says very strongly that he ended the multiversal war and that after that he has managed with the TVA that this has led to ages and ages of cosmic harmony because of him and what he did. He tells them that he keeps them safe. And if you think he is evil, just wait till you meet his variants. He says that he has lived a million lifetimes and gone through every scenario and that this is the only way. Again, a comparison to that Doctor Strange in Infinity War. So that's what's going on. That's why the TVA, Kang is holding back different versions of himself, and he is saying that some of the versions of him are a lot worse, which I believe. And holy shit, that, I mean, that's the, that's the biggest reveal of the entire show. And it's like, it's quite the reveal for like 12, what, 1230 at night at this point. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. Like, you're like transfixed on the screen because you're like, what is he saying? But at yeah. this, and at the same time, he's like saying, you know, this I, I've done all this to have this one multiverse or whatever. But then he keeps saying that there's other versions of him out there. So the other vers- verses are still out multiverses. The other universes are still out there, even yeah. though he's claiming that there's this one sacred timeline. He's contradicting himself by saying there's other versions of me out there. So, again, it's all such a it's a lot to process. It's a lot to process what goes on in this episode. That's why I think you got to kind of look at it from a, that simplistic point of view. Of, there's a bunch of bad versions of this dude, and so he's been keeping them back with the control of the TVA. And know, I Sylvie, never doubt that you'll say it perfectly in a simple, sufficient <laughs> way. Yeah, say it like for the show, are you smarter than a fifth grader? That's what I go for. And I, I would say I'm not, but we're, we're getting there, folks. Uh, Sylvie calls Kang, he who remains, a liar. And Loki calls him out for pruning innocent timelines. And this is when Kang offers them control to run the TVA or to kill him and let the multiverse go to shit. He says, I'm tired and I'm older than I look. And that he has been looking for someone to fill his spot. And it's not just one person, it's two. It's Loki and Sylvie. So he leaves them with this choice. After that, he tells them he doesn't know what else is going to happen after this moment. So this moment kind of happens, and I guess he knew everything that was going to happen up until this moment, and then now he doesn't know. This part kind of confused me. I don't know if it was a lie or why he only knew up to this point. Maybe it was predestined by another version of Kang that this was to happen. What did you... I don't... I'm a bit... This is the one part that got, got me pretty confused. What do you think? The way that I understood it was that, yes, he only, again, it speaks to his limitations. So I think his limitations were up until this point in time is how far he knew. And he planned for that far of him knowing because he didn't know what was to happen after that. He had expectations, you know, maybe like the whole thing will start warring again, which is why I need two people to take my place. But I don't think I think he genuinely did not know what happened after that point. I think that was as far as he could get. Interesting. I wonder if we'll find out why. Yeah. 
which I think we will. Um, And as he says this, Peter, the universe starts branching into multiverses, and he tells them that they either take over and continue his life work, or they kill him, and an infinite amount of him start another multiversal war, and he just ends up back right here in the same spot. What a line. Thanos saying he's inevitable. I mean, that is, I think, a little more gnarly than that. It's like, yeah, you could continue my last work or kill me and I'll just be back. Pretty gnarly. It, I mean, it raises the stakes from Thanos. And I think and it needed to be done because you had all these movies leading up to Thanos, which obviously... Thanos was, was a pawn in Kang's game, Peter. It's crazy. That that Yeah, so it extends, it branches out and extends the capabilities of what's to come in the MCU. And show that what you think is the big bad is really just a piece of it. It's like maybe it explains also why the Eternals didn't intervene when they did didn't. And so it's like yeah, I'm maybe curious now how they're gonna this will to. relate to the Eternals. I'm so curious. I don't know because like does Kang and the Time Weavers have authority over groups like the Eternals? Because it looks like they have authority over like different timelines of like Asgard gods. So who knows? Um, Sylvie though doesn't believe anything. That he's saying, and he says this is all. She says this is all a lie and a manipulation, and she tries to kill Jonathan Majors, Kang, he who remains. And Loki stops her and says they should talk about it, which leads to a fight. Loki believes what uh, what Kang is saying is true. He thinks he's weird, but he believes it, and Sylvie does not. And Loki just wants to think about it before they make this huge decision. And this is where we see some heartbreak from our boy. Sylvie then goes and thinks that this is Loki's way of betraying her to get the throne. Loki's not worried about the he, he's not worried about the throne. He's worried about unleashing something way worse than the TBA. And Sylvie just does not believe him and our boy is down bad. He's going to get down bad quite mu- quite more in this episode. Um Sylvie asks why they are aren't they seeing this the same way and Loki says because you can't trust and I can't be trusted and they begin to fight again. Clear Loki clearly does not want to Peter. Oh my god. That line, that line Tough. was like, that was like the opposite of the Vision Wanda line where they came together in episode. Great point. The, you know what line I'm talking about. This love is, is not, what is love, but not grief per- persevering, or what is grief, but not yes, love persevering, something like that. That line, it was like the opposite. It was like, it's yeah. like it explains why these two characters are not going to make it work. And you just you're you're like you said you root for Loki. Loki's the one. He's like he's like you want to root for him, and it's just like this is like just a slap in the face of just. It's tough. He's been making some good changes to to his character. Um, she she tells Loki as they're fighting to just kill her and take his throne, and Loki, Tom Hiddleston here, give him the Emmy for this line alone. The way he just says no. Just all the heartbreak in his face and his voice. Tough times. Loki then tries to reason with her and tells her that he has been where she is, felt what she feels, and that all he knows is that he doesn't want to hurt her. He doesn't want a throne. He just wants her to be okay. Lover, boy, Loki, romantic. And here it is, the big old smooch. She kisses him, and they share this glorious purpose, this moment of smooching. And then she pushes them away through a portal after saying but i'm not you she loki down bad jesus christ she then stabs kang and talk about great lines he just kind of smiles and says see you soon 
And we didn't know how soon it would be. But Sylvie then falls to the floor crying as the multiverse is fully unleashed. Holy shit, Peter. Holy shit. I'm honestly just dead from that recap. That was just... A little smoochy smoochy. You know, that that was the magnificent betrayal. That was... Yeah, that was when it the minute it happened, I was like, it's over. It's so here's the betrayal. It's it's done. That's yeah, it's the only you know, it's classical betrayals like the kiss. It's like it's over. And that line too, the between the but I'm not you and the see you soon. It's like lines are on point here in this. It's just it's wild. It's wild. Uh, we go back to our TVA that we've been watching in the show with Mobius and B15. And they say for all time, always. Um, so they are going to keep keep on the good fight at the TVA in this timeline where Ravona has left. And then we're going to go back to Loki. Folks, he's heartbroken. He is down so, so, so bad. He's trying to be good. Gosh, damn it. Fuck. Give him a break. Give this guy a break. It's just ridiculous, all the stuff they're putting him through. And so he's back in the TVA after Sylvie pushed him through that portal. And he runs to his boy, Mobius, because, you know, he's been through a lot. He needs his boy, Mobius. There's that moment they shared the last episode. When you're down, you need your broskies. He needed Mobius. And he runs to him. And he tells Mobius and B-15 everything. And they do not recognize him. He turns around in the TVA, and instead of seeing its statue of the timekeepers, it's a statue of motherfucking Kang. That is Kang. And so, Peter, he's either in a different multiverse or killing Cha- Kang changed this timeline. I would say he's in a different multiverse with a different version of Mobius and B-15. That's why they do not recognize him. And this, we're seeing the immediate effects of Sylvie killing Kang. All these different timelines with different TVAs and variants are popping up. End credits. What do you think? I think that Reg Mobius not recognizing him was a bigger, just like stab than than Sylvie pushing them. Oh out. yeah. Personally, I'd like to. I, agree. I don't know. I was just like that. That hurt more. Just seeing your your who you thought was your ride or die, just being like. I don't know who you are. Like, that was so rough. But I, but I think I differ from you from you a little bit here because I think that what happened was that the timeline has been changed because of what Sylvie did, and they just really don't recognize him. I don't think he's in a different. I think she just sent him back to the TVA, but it's just been altered because of what has happened. My my retort to that would be that before we see. Uh, Loki and but it's still after Sylvie killed Kang we do see Mobius and B-15 from our timeline watching the timelines go crazy we see them seeing that so Mm -hmm. either it changed in a split second after that and you're right or Sylvie because doesn't Sylvie have Kang's tempad or something probably because I don't think she had one at that point still. She probably gave it back to Mobius. No, she probably kept it. But she could have sent him anywhere with the multiverse branching. And so I think I, I'm I'm kind of torn on it. I'd lean it to different multiverse. And we're going to get season two of Loki, which was confirmed in the post credits, uh, would be them going through that. 
but I I see your point. I didn't which, think of that. Which brings to mind, though, where the heck in the timeline are we with this show now? Like, I mean, we started off, and theoretically, I mean, we're in 2012. We're, and we're outside of time. So That's the whole other thing. So now... I, I think it happened before WandaVision. Because that's why Ralph Boner's there, and I'm still hanging on that that's a variant of Quicksilver, and we're going to get a real version of Quicksilver. And I am with you till the end of the line on that one as well. Because It I took want... 33 minutes for us to mention Ralph Boner, so I'm kind of proud of us. I think we had a Ralph mention earlier, though. I think that he's uh, earlier damn. than this. I think he <laughs> might have been mentioned. I think if we go back, I think there is a slight reference. Yeah. It's like an Easter egg in itself. But because all these timelines... It's just, it's interesting to know where it fits in because this is a kind of, I guess, a preview to Black Widow whenever we do that one next. It's like, I want to watch that in order when it, once it's like out on DVD or Blue or whatever, so that it makes more sense. But did you see this, it? I did. I saw it twice. What did you think? Um, well, I think I'll save my reaction for the, the podcast because I think there's going to be some differing opinions, which is a, a good teaser for that one to come. I like that. I which like is a rare a moment around here, but that's pretty rare. But yeah, I I'm think also... that. Oh, go, go for ahead. it. I was no, just gonna say I'm also kind of a dick, and so I like, <laughs> I just kind of poke things that I don't know. I just think we have very different. We have this. We have similar superhero taste, I would say, or taste in like comic book movies, but we also have weird, like very different, in a way. I don't know if that makes sense. I understood it. I don't know if anyone else will understand yeah. it, but I understood it. I'm like, because I mean, yeah, there's there's things that, and I mean, go actually seeing it in a theater. Is, yeah, I didn't do that. Is that because I saw it regular in a theater, and then I saw it in IMAX 3D. You know what? I watched it on. Yes, I do. And we will save because it's a it's a it's a very interesting way to watch it. Yeah, I might rewatch it, but we'll see. Um, let's wrap up here, though, of like what is in the future for the MCU or the MCM, the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse now. Is that what we're going to be calling I was it? wondering what that was. I was racking my brain in the notes. I was like, what is MCM? I was like, is it multiverse? Is it madness? What is this? What? And then it's, you've said it. So Yeah. Um, so looking forward, Loki is confirmed to be in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness now. So we're going to be seeing him in February or March, whenever that's coming out. And I think, I think we're getting some version of Loki in the Thor. I can't imagine them not even having a part of Loki in that. So whether it be kid Loki, whether it be Sylvie, female Loki meeting Jane Foster, I think we'll see some Loki in Thor. Um, a different Kang will be in Ant-Man. It's still going to be played by Jonathan Majors, but it's not going to be the variant of Kang, who is he who remains. So it, maybe it's a gnarlier version of Kang. I'm not really sure. We'll find that out. Um, and so now I just have a couple questions. What will Loki's role in the MCU going forward be? Is he a hero, basically, now? I think, yes, he'll be a hero, but I think he'll be like a hero that you don't, no one expects him to be a hero, so they don't take him seriously. Don't take him for his for him being a hero. They're skeptical of his heroicness. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. And then for the same question for Sylvie, I think we're going to see Sylvie at the start of Loki season two. I think she's going to be down bad a bit, and I think she's going to be in a darker place, so she could continue to 
be that anti-hero type because she still needs to go on the journey in a way that our Loki went on. Yeah, and and she wasn't pruned, which I think is the the main thing. It's like now we've got these two versions loose in the multiverse, but essentially there are also other versions out there in the multiverse, especially since there are other Spider-Men. Spider-Man? Spider-Man? Spider-Man. <laughs> in multiverse as well and so another thing though is like i am of the opinion with that like limbo world like all those loki's are out now like they're not still there like they're in multiverses like kid loki's in a universe like Like i i I think that yeah i think that what was going to set free that's an interesting perspective and it really just allows for a way of bringing all the storylines together in a way that now makes sense. And again, the weight that was put from this show, this 40, what it was a short finale, but this short amount of time had massive implications going forward. Like you can now start to play in the sandbox and bring in the other toys in a way that is not going to feel forced or, and though they allow you to see other versions of these characters in a way that I don't think we were able to do before. Yeah, it's getting crazier. It is getting crazier. How could they top the Infinity Saga? They're just going nutballs on us. There, It's going to be crazy. Um, a question, though. We'll wrap up with this. because I'm sure we'll have some post. We'll talk a little Loki next week when we do our Black Widow. I'm sure because something will come out. Maybe do a little news as well. But... This is a question that I'm going to pose to you now that you can give an initial answer to, but I will also say that we should take some time to think about this. Same with the listeners. Do we think they're going to use the multiverse to introduce the Fantastic Four or the X-Men? And so let's go more on the X-Men for this, because I don't think we're seeing any um, recastings of past Fantastic Four movies. Is this the blueprint for Ralph Boner for potentially us getting um, Magneto played by Michael Fassbender, a a portrayal of Wolverine by Hugh Jackman? Maybe some stay around more, but do you think the variants are the way they're going to introduce the X-Men? Do you think that's... Or do you think it's going to come about more naturally like the mutants have been on our timeline or whatever? I think that as far as being on our timeline, on the sacred timeline, I would say the Fantastic Four will come out of the sacred timeline. I don't think they'll be multiversal brought in. I like the idea of the X-Men being multiversal entrances into this. Or if they are having repercussions that force that to happen in the sacred timeline because i think that we have that wealth of characters you there that they why would you recast people that were cast perfectly and i think that that the x-men is it days of future past where you yeah, have where they the go two, back in time yeah i think it's an it was a good precursor to what could happen in a sense mm-hmm. going forward yeah and on the topic of the fantastic four I think that there is a chance that the Fantastic Four in our main, like in our universe, have, like, they haven't not existed. They've been, them and Doom are potentially fighting a version of Kang somewhere. 
in let it be the quantum realm or someplace outside of time where Kang has them captured somewhere and that's where they are. Or they're going to just introduce them as, I don't know, but that's something I've been thinking about because Fantastic Four have a lot of ties to Kang. I mean, it's Reed Richards. Great. It like it is like a great, 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 great grandson or something. It's Kang. So a lot of possibilities. There's definitely the possibilities and, I think that one thing will be interesting is how they approach Kang going forward with these different versions. Because you did have a character like Sylvie, which was a combination of Lady Loki and Enchantress. Where you There's have... no way her last line means she's actually not Lady Loki and is Enchantress when she says, but I'm not you, right? That's me just wishing she's Enchantress. I mean, I thought that too, so... Um... I will stand on that hill as well. I would. I would like to see it. I would. I mean, I want to. I want to see a little more variety rather than some characters. It makes sense where you're creating versions going forward, like Agatha. Like that makes sense in a good yeah. way of modernizing it and making it someone that can continue to be used going forward. But I think that there's really good possibilities for where we can go with these kinds of people. Yep, I'm very excited. So. That is our wrap-up on Season 1 of Loki. You can find all six episodes here on the podcast feed if you're ever going to binge it or watch it for the first time. If you're about to watch it for the first time and you have listened and you're listening at this point on Episode 6, I'm really confused, but you do you. Also, uploading this to YouTube right after as well, and you can check out all six breakdowns up there. We will be back next week to talk about Black Widow. So if you haven't seen it yet, I understand. Go, You have a week to go see it, and we'll break it down here next week on the couch. As well as in the future, we have the Marvel What If series coming up that has been tied to have some maybe big ramifications affecting the movies and the non-animated part of it, I guess. Um, so we will be breaking that down as well. And then we'll also do some uh, fun other just random topics here as we wait for... Uh, what if and then the next big thing we have is shang chi yep and i'm that's i think i think that's gonna be a harder test for the mcu going forward than black widow was or even eternals i think because of similar projects either having come out this year earlier or mm-hmm. in that same time frame it's going to be a test for how audiences are able to bring in this new character and especially it's an origin story it's but at the same time, it's going to play into the future. So I think there's a lot riding on that movie in particular. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I mean, the, tra- the, the second trailer got me a lot more hyped for it than the first one did. And folks, another thing to say, if there's a Spider-Man trailer, we will do an emergency podcast and hop on and talk about it. Because you know we love Spider-Man. All right, Peter. Um, done with Loki. On to the next adventure. It's been a pleasure covering with this with you, my friend. Likewise, three Disney Plus shows down, no, no disappointments, and um, I, I mean, no major disappointments. And you know, five yeah. smashers. I'm just still angry at them. <laughs> but, you know, he made up for everything, though. It is yes, it was. I mean, I think you texted me that it was like everything you wanted it to be, or something like this. Is this what, what I want Disney Plus shows to be like? And they did it finally. Because like, I don't need the stuff that doesn't affect. Not saying WandaVision and Falcon didn't. But I don't need just some th- thing that doesn't relate to it. Like, I want it to have ramifications. Major implications, yeah. And I want that of all the movies, too. So that's where we are. Um, episode 109 of The Pineapple Couch. 
Peter, thank you for joining. Always a pleasure. We will see you guys next week. God bless.